Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions to get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Very adamant about the fact that he is here. So joining us, Jed Brew, the director of Mission USA Productions. Greetings. Joining us all the way from Mercer, Tennessee, one of the pastor of Christ Media Church, Lee Younger. What's up, folks? All right. We start off, as we sometimes try to do, with a little bit of a social media breakdown. We've had some dispatches from Nashville this week. Wow. Whoa. Specifically That's, from the Belmont campus. Sounds official. Okay. Oh, yeah, it's a little more a little more fancy than I'm making it out to be. Our friend Noel tweeted us. Yeah. Okay. The contents of said tweet are thus. Listening to say that at two times speed works great, besides the emergency in which they sound like evil nerd chipmunks laughing very quickly. <laughs> I'm not now wait a second. I'm not particularly sure how to take that. She follows that up with I mean this lovingly. Well wait, but wait here's wait, the wait. thing. When you have to qualify yeah. something with I mean that lovingly, you're aware of how that came off at first. Yeah. For, for, I'm hurt. First, first of all, uh where did how did nerd get in there? <laughs> And where did the evil come from? Well, actually, I know about the evil. <laughs> really? That, that, uh, that do, we, do we really want to explore where the evil came from on this podcast? Well, why can't we be... Uh, 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 like hipster chipmunks? Evil, cool chipmunks. You mean, why can't a bunch of guys in a basement recording a Christian podcast be cool? <laughs> Maybe that answers its own yeah, question. Yeah, Wade's I world. Think you're, Wade's yeah, world. Yeah, you're dialing it in there, yeah. That's... <laughs> Yeah, we're actually yeah. dangerously close to Aurora, so it all kind of comes together. It really does. <laughs> the city well, of it certainly does suck. <laughs> <laughs> Kids, if you learn nothing else from this podcast, the '80s were great. Oh, they're fantastic! Go investigate. Just go, go dive in. I'm sure. I'm sure Wayne World is on Turner Classic Movies by now. <laughs> That's that is probably true and super sad. Now, related to this, I declare a health and safety emergency. Oh my goodness! <laughs> tell me more. It's uh, a very, very, uh, look, we try to tell these people how to listen to the podcast safely. Sure. Uh, you got to practice safe podcasting. Look, Moving on. You can't, you cannot listen to this podcast at double the speed because uh, your brain simply cannot take that. No question. Clearly. Now, Wizard comes at you too fast. What's, what's going on with this podcast is there's a lot of wisdom, okay? It's, like, extremely potent. Yeah, it's prescription strength wisdom. Now, here's what <laughs> it, it mixed in with the wisdom is a lot of, let us face it, pretty inappropriate sure. behavior and comments. Sure. <laughs> Your brain has to do the work of sorting out. Yeah. Those two things from each That's other. Sure, absolutely. The, the, the wisdom from the inappropriate part. If you go at it double speed, your brain simply cannot keep up. Clearly not. And what's probably going to happen is a hemorrhage. <laughs> okay. Kind. Wow. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug and Podcast Administration. <laughs> I am pretty sure that if you listen to this entire podcast at double speed, your brain will explode. Sure. Now, what, is that no, does not. that is that like a like the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak like it just can't parse it out or something? It's very much like that. It's totally like that, and uh, and that's in the Bible. I think your body, your brain, just has a nonsense per second <laughs> gauge yeah. on it. Uh, look at at regular speed, 
this podcast is dangerous enough. Sure, absolutely. And we have many, many examples of that in action. Look, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, this podcast is awesome. Yeah. Right. I want to get more of it into my brain faster. Sure. And sh- we've all thought that. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? We've all said, you know, I'm getting to work at 30 miles an hour. If I was getting to to work at 60 miles an hour, that would be twice as good. Sure. You know what I mean? And then if I got there at 120 miles an hour, that would be even better. You sure. know what I mean? But you can't do that. And sure. I want everybody at home to feel safe. It's not that Glenn is driving at these these speeds. He works from home, so this is pretty much him thinking how fast he can run from the bed to the desk. <laughs> yeah, and then you got to be safe with this. Let me ask you, you a know. question, Glenn. Could you? It, could a person get two iPods and listen right. and listen to two episodes of the show at once? One headphone in one ear, one headphone in the other ear. Okay. It, okay. It's Look, um, everybody's thought of that, <laughs> and uh, plenty of people have tried it, but here's what I'm trying to say is, basically, it's like Icarus. Sure. You know what I mean? <laughs> he flew too close to the wisdom. You flew too close to the wisdom, and your brain is going to explode. We, Particularly we, bad if your iPod is made of wax. <laughs> we know you love the podcast, Okay. We know you're trying to get as much of it as you can, as quick as you can, and that's th- that's important. That's cool. Sure, that's cool. We understand that, but you can't, you know, your 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 uh, ripping and running lifestyle <laughs> with your, you know, go go uh, trying to. You can't. You understand what I'm saying? I think, Glenn, what you're trying to say is please enjoy. Say that responsibly. That's what we're trying. Know to Know your say. limits. You have to know your limits. Regular speed is just fine. Absolutely right. No, okay, are you so, saying that we might need like a like if if you're out of control, do you need like a designated podcaster? I think you do. Mm-hmm. I think you do. Well, look, if you're going to listen to the podcast under just normal circumstances, you need a spotter. Absolutely right. Well, let, sure. let me ask this: Do you think somebody needs to go to our friend Noel and say, "Noel, hand over the headphones." Sure, hand over the, right, you, sure. You obviously you're you're out of control. Hand over the headphones. Sure, right. sure. Well, you need an intervention, is what yeah. you need. That's clearly called for because we want you to love the podcast, but we want you to enjoy it safely and responsibly. That's that's what we keep trying to tell the people. Don't flip out. We'll still be here. Yeah, yeah. We're we're probably can, probably. Uh, that's helpful. You know, <laughs> uh, rapture, etc. Who, who's to say? <laughs> Uh, you know I've, the sun has come and you've been left behind. Yeah. You know what you did. All right, easy, That's Kirk. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now here's uh, here's the other problem I have with this is chipmunks. Yeah. Uh, you know where does that come from? Well, really, that's that's the only part of it I don't have a problem with. I'll tell you why. Why is that? There's common, you know, you play something at very high speed, it, people's voices just pitch up and that's mm. the old Alvin and the Chipmunks joke because that's right. how you sound. Here's the thing. Evil and nerdy are both content notes. Yes. yes. The Chipmunk thing is, yeah, you speed you speed audio up, it changes pitch. That's a thing. I have a feeling evil and nerdy, she may have felt those were pre-existing conditions. Sure. Uh, yeah. Well, you know what You know what it felt like to me? It's like that one was already in the chamber, evil and nerdy. <laughs> like She's sure. been thinking that a lot, and then it just She thought chipmunks made it adorable enough to finally fire it off? Possibly. You know, an unguarded moment. But 
uh, I think that the question that I have, cause I don't, you know, I don't understand the technology. Uh, Matt said, uh, Hey, let's do a podcast. And I thought we all got into some form of a pod. Yeah. And then we were flung in, into outer space or something. <laughs> sure. And so I didn't understand. Well, we can't. We still can do that. It's just not a podcast. You know, how, That's how, a separate thing. You know, how to, how, well, I think we ought to. My hopes are up at this point. But here's the thing <laughs> is, uh, is there a chance? And I'm just, you know, there's no such thing as a stupid question. Okay. No, but there are uh, stupid statements. So <laughs> I have a feeling uh, we're going to hear one soon. <laughs> Here's what I'm saying is, do we know for sure that if other people listen to the podcast that we don't somehow begin to transform into chipmunks? Okay. Is there a way like a DNA set? Here's what I'm saying. Wait. is If you have an atom yeah. that spins this way, yeah. and then in another universe it yeah. spins the same way, and... You have a butterfly that flaps its wings, you understand? Yeah. And someone's listening to a podcast at double speed. Right. And then through the internet. Yes. You know what I mean? Data. Gene splicing. Yeah. Ones and zeros. Genes. Yes. Okay. DNA. Deeply plausible. Keep going. And next thing you wake up and your two front teeth are starting to grow. You're afraid that podcasting is transforming into a terrible animal-human hybrid. Uh, do we, is, can is, we say for sure it's not happening? Is the show making Clearly us not. into actual monsters? That's what we want. Yeah, okay, evil I'm a, nerdy chipmunks. Let's just there aren't enough exasperated size in the world, so I'm just going to skip that part. Matt, the evidence is mounting. You can't hide this forever. Okay, it's Northwestern science. is going to come take your science degree. <laughs> wait, you but, keep saying things like that. Is, but is wait, so wait, it, this is the question I have for you? Is are oh, we, good. More are questions. We saying that, are we saying that Matt is really like an evil geneticist that's transforming well, us into furry monsters? Well, you that's know, really neither here nor there. He really seems to be eager for us to move on from this. Yeah, a little that's too true. eager. That's Not because it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> not because you're asking to use string theory to explain you not becoming Look. a reverse podcast Tinkerbell chipmunk. Is there a chance that Noel actually is trying to get a coded message through to you, me, and Lee, wow. you know, and kind of help us see the truth of the situation that we're in and get us out of this bizarre wow. Dial of Octa Moreau thing okay, that Matt's right. got going on? Exactly right. Solid reference. All the kids are talking about that movie. Absolutely. Uh, I I think this is a big. It's got Brando and Kilmer. It's great. <laughs> it, is there a chance that uh, we are the subject of some bizarre experiment? Yes. String theory. Yes. Eleven dimensions. Uh huh. I'm hit. Yeah. And then we're in a dimension where we're. You know what? We could already be chipmunks in a chipmunk universe. <laughs> we don't have proof of not that. Okay. These are the questions people want to know out there. Absolutely. And, and in here. Absolutely. So uh, we're dealing with a lot. we got a lot going on. I feel like Bill Nye is going to kick down that door and just start beating <laughs> us all about the face and head. <laughs> I mean, Neil deGrasse Tyson in, in tow. Wow. Here, so uh, here's those were good I, safety tips there, Glenn. I think the main thing, if we're going to wrap this up, the main thing Please is when you, when you sit down and compose your tweet... And then and and then you send that off to us. Think about the deranged rant it may spark. <laughs> Realize we're going over that in fine detail. Yeah, absolutely. And, and considering in all different dimensions, what could this mean? Yeah, yeah. 
So that's important. Totally. And on that basis, I declare an evil, nerdy chipmunk emergency <laughs> off. Mm. Also, what is it if you listen to it at half speed? What? What? what wow, do we that's a good question. Into? I don't evil, nerdy sloths. Something. Uh, yeah. Well, that was a that was a long, strange trip. <laughs> if you'd like to uh, help spark my slow descent into madness via things Glenn says, you can find us all on Twitter. We're on there uh, at Lee Younger, at Jed Brewer, at Glenn Fitzgerald. That's F I T Z J E R R E L L. I'm Matt Kinger. Interact, follow. We we like to chat with the people who you know. You can also follow at follow at the Bridge C H I, and we'll post stuff from the blog and. When the podcasts go up, and you can make innocuous, adorable statements that lead to Glenn going on crazy Island of Dr. Moreau rants <laughs> that uh, really yeah. eat up 10 minutes of my life. I'm never getting back. So thank you, Noel. That was, that was really good. <laughs> thank you, Noel. We're beginning to see the truth. That's yeah. Right. Well, if you follow us on Twitter or that Bridge account, one of the things you'll hear us talk about is Bridgebox. Bridgebox Ooh. is our monthly subscription service. Uh-huh. You pay in $8, and in that return for that, you get music, sermons, devotional, guest devotionals. Uh, Bible studies, all manner of cool stuff to help your walk, all based around one question. January's question was, what did it mean to love God with all my mind? We've got a sermon from Glenn, songs from Jed, a Bible study written by me and edited by Jed and his wife. We've got a special guest devotional by a pastor here from the South Side of Chicago, a great preacher, a friend of ours named Jasper Edwards. You know, lots of good stuff like that. That $8 goes directly to fund ministry we're doing here in Chicago. We've got two part-time employees Guys from the neighborhood or prize of our ministry who get to do some part-time work for us, helping the ministry. We've got some some other stuff we're looking to move move into, or some other ministry programs we're looking to kind of get started off. And you can support all those by going to missionusa.com/slash/bridgebox and signing up. You can also support also support Lee, and we get a little bit of that as well. If you sign up for the Lee Younger version at missionusa.com/slash/bbly. All right, we're gonna go to our first just, question. And just before you, the first question. Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to rush it. And I and I just just to slide this in there. Yeah. An overpowering urge right about now to put nuts in my cheeks inside my mouth. Maybe to store them for the coming winter. Just that, yeah, I just for some reason I feel like I have. I just want. Dude, by the way, and I hope you don't think I'm too forward to say this, but your tail's looking really bushy lately. So it's curious. Yeah, bushy's not the way I thought that sentence was going to end, and yeah. I'm relieved. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Any other anthropomorphic nonsense we want to get into before <laughs> well, we move on? Uh, I feel good. I feel good. Oh, good. Let's do this. All right. We're going to go to our first question because nothing says man ready to give advice like more chipmunk <laughs> jokes. If you have a question for us, hang on with us all the way to the end. I'll give you some ways you can touch this. This came in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox. Mm. It says, I'm having a hard time understanding Ecclesiastes 9, 7 to 10 and 11, 9 to 10. Why is our life meaningless? Is it really saying that it's okay to indulge yourself in life's pleasures, like food, clothes, etc.? What does it mean when it says you go after your heart's desire, but God will judge you for it? That sounds more like don't go after your desire as you'll get punished for it. Or is the main message, life is short, enjoy it while you can, both work and pleasure, Jed, why don't you start us off? I can. And let me encourage you, if you're listening to the podcast, hit pause real quick and look up um, on your computer, your phone, or whatever, look up those two passages and read them to yourself real quick so you know what we're talking about. Assuming that you have done that, um, we'll... Uh, did you? We'll know if you didn't. We'll did know. you? <laughs> Lord. Assuming you did Threatening he, chipmunk. <laughs> yeah, an angry chipmunk. <laughs> Um, <laughs> this is a mess. Okay, we know you didn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Jesus could see you not reading it. 
Read it. Read it now. Read <laughs> really, it. really legalistic chipmunk. <laughs> Jed, please say something pertaining to this question. Okay, here's what we're looking at. So the thing I'd encourage you to do, and, and I think that this is good a lot, is it's always good when you run into something and you say, I feel like I don't track with this, I don't understand what I'm saying, is to double check the lens that you're viewing this thing through. Here's what I mean in this case. Um, there's a lot to, to look at here. There's a lot to think about. There's a lot to consider. But if we take a step back, why, just so I know, why would it be a bad thing to enjoy life? In other words, you're reading something in the Bible that's saying, enjoy your life, right. and that's giving you a pause. Why is that? Similarly, why would savoring your food, appreciating the clothes that you wear, why... Why would you look at it and say, "Whoa, that seems a little crazy"? Right. I, I don't, I don't know about that. Do you, is there a chance that, in some way, you think God wants you to be miserable or right. Right. kind of a stoic existence where you don't really experience pleasure and you're just kind of trying to keep everything at zero? Right. Because if if this is giving you pause, and again, to be clear, there's there's a lot of stuff going on in these passages, and we really want to get into it and get into the details, but. We want to check the lens that we're looking through. If we read something in the Bible that says, enjoy life, and we go, whoa, 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 I think that may give us an indication that we have a faulty lens that we're viewing things through. God intends for you to enjoy your life. Right, that's yeah. that's not the totality of it. That's not right. the only thing that's going on. Right, right. But God intends you to enjoy the food that you eat. God intends you to enjoy the clothes that you wear. God intends you to enjoy every gift that he gives you. Right. Again, that's not the totality of life. That's, you know, an, an ultimate meaning is not found in enjoying a nice piece of pizza. Right. But you are meant to enjoy the nice piece of pizza. Right. And if we're looking at that and saying that feels way off, I think we want to start asking, where did we get the idea that God wouldn't have me enjoy temporal pleasures? Right. That's a lot of great stuff. And Jed mentioned some background there. Lee, can you walk us through just a little bit of background about the book of Ecclesiastes? Yeah, Ecclesiastes is, uh, first of all, I, I think Jed's exactly right. You do need to start from what, what do you actually think about God? What, what kind of a person do you think God is? That's, a, that's where you want to start when you look at this stuff. But when you look at the book of Ecclesiastes, it's a strange little book. And the, the best way for us to just kind of get an understanding of where we're coming from is imagine... Um, a, a dude that's a really, really old man who's ha- lived a long life and has had tons of success, who has done tons of amazing things. He's been rich and powerful, been famous. Everybody's listened to him. And now he's at the end of his life and he's gathering all of his grandchildren around and he's saying to them, let me tell you what I've learned about life. And that's where, that's kind of what Ecclesiastes is, is this kind of old grandpa Who's had this? Who's had this crazy life, amazing experiences, and he's gathering everybody around and saying, "Hey, look! I just want you to know, I'm at the end of a life where I've tried everything, and I want you to know that that the stuff that people think is going to make them happy on its own, it doesn't really work that way. And the things that people chase after—money, success, accomplishment, and stuff like that—I've had it all." It's not what every it's not what it what it's cracked up to be. It's not what everybody yeah. says it is. There's there's a God who has given you your lot. And th- for somebody that has you know a certain lot, if they love God and enjoy that, enjoy the wife that he gave them and the house that he gave them and the the job that he gave them, that dude's as happy as anybody else in the whole world. And if you can figure yeah. that out, grandkids, you've got it made in the shade. That's kind of what this book is. is it's, it's the angle that it's coming from. This old man who's been through it all saying, let me tell you what I've learned before I kind of exit the stage. 
That's a great point. And one of the things that he touches on in there is the difference between enjoying something and having it be meaningful, right, Glenn? Absolutely. Uh, in fact, uh, if you, as Lee's pointing out, if you look, go back and look at um, really start at the beginning of the book of Ecclesiastes, he uses this word meaningless a lot. You know, he's saying, uh, as Lee's pointing out, you know, I've, I've had the fame, I've had the money, I've had the fancy house, I've, you know, had the success and all these different kind of things. There's no meaning to any of that. There's, that's not meaningful in and of itself. Right. Uh, uh, of course, the, the point that, that emerges from the book of Ecclesiastes is that um, that you can do meaningful things with all of those resources. Uh, not everyone does them. But you uh, can. Right. But you can. <laughs> but what he's saying is those things are not an end in and of themselves. Yes. That the point of life is not to um, accumulate stuff and success and power and whatever so that you can enjoy it. Uh, He's saying there are things in life that are to be enjoyed, but at the end of the day, you have to look at, um, you know, here's stuff that I enjoy, and I enjoy enjoying it. You know, it's good stuff. I like pizza. Here's a pizza. I'm eating the pizza. This is a nice pizza. I'm enjoying myself. That's great. But it means nothing. Yeah, there's no meaningful way to have a a, a piece of pizza. It's just uh, at the end of the day, you've accomplished nothing for the kingdom. Uh, there's no no import to it. So, um, uh, it, for some reason, that's confusing to us. I think, especially in sort of a Western culture, this idea that <coughs> excuse me, a lot of the things that we chase after and sacrifice for and hold up to be important are in fact meaningless and we know that we we know that it's it's meaningless it's what we do with the resources that god has given yeah. us uh that that in fact have meaning well, isn't it like sorry I, I was just sorry i didn't want to interrupt you guys there but it, it, don't you You're think good. the difference comes in when you when, when somebody says okay uh, you know, when they when they translate it from the piece of pizza, which everybody kind of... I like that example because we can all kind of see you can enjoy a pizza, but it doesn't mean anything. Right. But the problem that we have is when we look at our job or our salary or our accomplishments, yeah. you know, you, you, go to a, you go to a big city and you see a building with someone's last name on it and it's a skyscraper. Yeah. You can't even see the top of it. And you think, well, that person must have, been, must have led a more valuable life than me. They they must be more important than I am. And that's the misconception. That's where we don't we ha- we have a hard time parsing out the same principle that you're talking about with the pizza. Because if I like it, you know, if I sit down with somebody who's having a hard time and we share a piece of pizza and we talk about, you know, that person talks about their struggles and I listen to them and I pray for them, well now I've actually pulled some meaning out of this meaningless thing. We enjoyed the pizza and we got some work done for the kingdom. And the problem is that we don't we can't parse that out from like, you know, something that we know doesn't have any inherent meaning other than to be enjoyed and then something that like a career or uh, you know, or a, or you know, a job or an accomplishment. Lee, I think that is so right on. To jump right in there, I, I think that's really key because I think we make an assumption um, that's completely false, which is that we know what it means to enjoy things. Okay. Right. I think most people in Western culture are terrible at enjoyment. Let right. me let yep. me break that down. Uh, uh, suburban culture consumes 
I mean, it it rapidly, ravenously consumes everything in its path and never enjoys any of it. Okay. Right. It never, even leaving out meaning, just pure enjoyment, they don't enjoy any of it. And, and I'll prove it to you. Where you live, go to the most expensive shopping mall you can find. The, the one that has a, a Saks Fifth Avenue or whatever, I mean, the expensive one. Just people watch for 10 minutes. If you see more than a half dozen people that are actually seem to be enjoying themselves, write me and let me know. I will send you a $5 bill. Right. I'm confident doing that because you're not going to see that. Yeah, and on uh, the other hand, if you see a kid playing with his Legos, it's a totally different thing. Exactly right. Blissed out. This is this is the thing. Uh, Western culture, we know how to consume. We don't know how to enjoy. But the issue is, I think part of what both Glenn is saying, what you're saying is we begin to find meaning when we share. Uh, right. When we share our resources is where meaning begins. But in a funny way, I think we have to enjoy before we understand the value of sharing. Okay. Right. Because once the, the thing about love is love overflows. Th- this is the nature of love. You don't love other people by deciding, now I will love other people. You receive love from God to yourself. That love overflows in your heart. And there's a part of you that says, I am hooked up. I should, I should figure out how to hook somebody else up. That's right. that's just the way that love works. Right. Enjoyment is part of that. If you're not enjoying anything in your life, you're not going to want to share with anybody right. else. Because you still got to get more to get to that. Exactly place. right. By contrast, if you're enjoying, if you're like, oh, this is, I found this pizza place and it's just the best pizza place ever. It is so right. delicious. You will want to share it with people. Right. That's right. It will, it will occur to you. Oh, I've got it. I know this guy would like it. And this, and this guy's going through a rough time. He could probably use a nice piece of pizza. Let's right. get him over there. Now we have enjoyment plus meaning but i think we have to ask ourselves that hard question do we know how to enjoy things because if not that's going to gum up the works the whole way yeah right and one other little piece to this is i think that uh, part of what this bible verse is saying is uh when you when you chase after meaningless things and you're looking for that to get sort of force enjoyment on you which will never happen will never happen then what you're doing is you are chasing meaningless things and you're ending up with a meaningless life Mm. as a result of that. And that's what the verse is really trying to point to is that God wants for you uh, and is calling you to a meaningful life. And that, as Jed is saying, involves sharing, that involves uh, having that love and enjoyment of life that overflows into other people serving other people that's where the joy really comes in and yeah. and so uh i i think uh, uh this idea of am i allowed to enjoy it unless yeah. it has meaning is where we're getting things yeah. twisted i think one thing that would be interesting on this is for you know for people listening to to try to kind of isolate just one thing they like just just something you like for its own sake just disinterestedly yeah. you just dig this thing and just Take some, take an afternoon, take a couple hours in an afternoon, and just enjoy it in a way that's not about you know it's not about pure consumption, but just enjoy it for the sake of enjoying that thing. And think about why do I dig this so much, and what and what is this giving me, and just just kind of purely enjoy it and see if it's not something that you. My my guess is if you do that, you'll wind up in a conversation with somebody about it. You'll want to share it. You'll want, like what Jed is saying, at some point, just the love of that thing is going to overflow. 
Well, to build on that, because it's a killer point, uh, to bust Glenn out, y'all may not know this, but several years ago, Glenn actually served as chaplain to the Chicago White Sox, uh, which is a, a Major League Baseball team here in, in Chicago, obviously. It's a very, very big deal. But part of so, what— Some years not so major, but yes. Some years not so major, <laughs> but they won the World Series a while back. So, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, But the thing about uh, this is that journey started with Glenn just loving baseball. Right. It, it didn't begin with, now I will go forth into the world and do great things. Right, right, it was just, right. I just love baseball. And right. then it became, you know, I love baseball, but I love Jesus. And how would I how would I put those two things together? Right. But if, if Jesus had come to Glenn and said, I actually do have great things for you to do for the kingdom, but I want you to start by just loving baseball. Yeah. Let's just start there. Yeah. Would Glenn be okay with that? Right. I think right. for a lot of us, if God came to us and said, I just want you to love baseball, that will turn into something else. But right. let's just enjoy baseball. Right. Can we be cool with that? Right. Can, can we let yeah. God put that before and, and, us? And if you have the desire to be meaningful, that God will do something with exactly that. Right. Yeah. Exactly right. Exactly right. It's a lot of great stuff. We focus a lot on kind of the, the main thrust of the uh, the verses. I want to address one real specific part. You have a question about there in Ecclesiastes 11.10 where you talk about, uh, it says, you know, God will go after your heart's desire and God will hold everything up to judgment. That sounds really scary and not very um god godish right there one of the things that when i encounter a weird kind of use of a word like that one of the things that tends to help me is to go to the message translation sure yeah because uh what the guy who the guy whose name eugene peterson did the message is basically as opposed to a translation which most bible translations are which is you go through word for word and try to find the nearest english equivalent to the greek word that got used or hebrew word or whatever he did what's called a paraphrase which means he kind of read the whole sentence and then said basically what is this person trying to say here yeah and sometimes that sometimes that loses a little bit sometimes it gains a little bit but if you're hung up on one particular word it tends to help me and the way he translates that in verse nine is follow the impulses of your heart if something looks good to you pursue it but know also that not anything goes you have to answer to god for every last bit of it which i really like there are parts of the bible it happens a lot in paul's writing where you get the sense that these they know church people because they realize you can't give anybody an inch mm-hmm. <laughs> he says something yeah. about like you know go and pursue the desires of your heart and he knows there's some dude in one of those pews thinking the desires of my heart are pretty booze and hooker heavy so uh, <laughs> right. this is yeah. this is sounding pretty good to me and say hey, yeah. hey, hey, hey. yeah keep people between the ditches here that's yeah. right that's know right. that you know pursue the dire heart go after your thing go after enjoying stuff but know that god gets to call shots on that that's all god will hold everything in judgment and that turns means it's not as as doomy as it may sound and when right. you find so we started out with this question when you find things like that in the Bible that tend to not jive with your overall idea of what's going on. It's important to kind of get a couple of different angles on that. And you can always write in because we do enjoy the kind of Bible nerd questions. We'll move on to our next question here. It's kind of a, in the same vein. This came anonymously to our Tumblr. It says, what exactly is the word of God? Is it Jesus or is it the Bible? Is it spoken out loud? Is it logic and reasoning? Glenn, why don't you start us off? Yeah. And uh, here's the thing about this question is uh, sometimes as, as we, look at these questions, we can sense that this was a sermon that wasn't fully... <laughs> Fleshed out? Uh, yeah. and, and it started and, out with a good German of an idea. Yeah, uh, and there's throwing a lot of points and not connecting them very well and whatever have you. Uh, so uh, let's see what we can do to maybe smooth some of that out. Uh, the Greek word that we're looking for, and here's your Bible nerd moment, the Greek word that we're talking about here is, is logos, um, and that that means word. That's the Greek word for word. 
So, uh, yes, the Bible refers to itself as logos. So, you know, the, you know, the, the, the word of God, uh, you know, the written word of God, the scripture, etc. cetera, uh, the Bible refers to itself that way as the word. The Bible also refers to Jesus uh, using the exact same uh, term, logos. Uh, so that's, um, uh, uh, you know, it, it, you know, Jesus uh, was the, uh, the the word was with God, the word was God, you know, and so forth, and it's referring to Jesus in sort of a symbolic way, if you want to put it that way, uh, by saying uh, that Jesus is the word, that he's co-equal with God, and so on and so forth. Um, and yes, uh, there is a Greek word that's derived from the same logos word. Uh, the, the Greek word logikos, which sounds like it rhymes with logical, and that's what it means. Um, but um, what it what it uh, really means is logikos really means uh, not based on emotions or human reasoning, uh, but it's based on uh, God's word. So this is a different kind of thing. In fact. Uh, that word logikos uh, appears in Romans chapter 12 where he says often offer your bodies as living sacrifices this is your logikos service to God so uh, some translations will say that's your reasonable service to God or, mm. or, or your responsible service to God or something like that uh, but it means uh, making a choice based on what God is saying not based on your brilliant wisdom and insight <laughs> so when we say it has to do with reasoning and making reasonable choices what we mean is that uh, uh it has to do with the fact that it is a reasonable and smart thing to do to go with what god says it is not uh, uh smart or advisable to go with your own human sense of reasoning yeah, if that makes sense. So um, hopefully, I've smoothed out some of that. Absolutely, Lee. Do you have a little bit more for us on that kind of that idea of logos? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the the there's it's interesting to look at kind of the way that like Greek people used this word back in the day, and they like Greek people who didn't know anything about Jesus before, you know, before they started to come to know Christ, they had this concept of there was the logos. It was just like this this kind of force that was kind of giving meaning to the universe, holding everything together, kind of like a cosmic, you know, uh, like duct tape, just kind of holding the whole universe, the all of reality together and giving it meaning and everything. And then John, who writes the Gospel of John, comes in, comes in to Greek peop, Greek-speaking people and says, the Logos, this thing, this concept that you guys have of this this force or this person who's holding everything in the universe together, that's Jesus. And so a Greek person at that time is going, oh, okay. And then Paul, like in Colossians chapter 1, he says, Jesus is the visible expression of the invisible God. So when you look at, like, what is the Word of God? Is it the Bible or is it Jesus? What is it? It's kind of like like Glenn was saying. I like how he said, it's yeah, the Bible talks about itself as the Word of God, and the Bible talks about Jesus as the Word of God. And to me, it's like... There's there's a whole lot of confusing stuff in trying to understand that. But to me, the thing that the thing that I you know, for me when I look at scriptures I don't understand or I'm trying to figure out, 
I'm always trying, my, my aim is always to get to the place of so what? Like, yeah. you know, there's a lot of, there's all yeah. kinds of scholarly whatever. And there are guys who have written books on this question ad nauseum. Like Glenn said, I, he's exactly right. This probably came from a sermon and some dude confused everybody in the room. But whenever I'm looking at this stuff, the question I always want to answer is, so what? What does this have to do with me? And the thing that I would land on when I look at this, if if the Bible is the Word of God, or Jesus is the Word of God, or He's the visible expression of the invisible God, here's where this comes down for me. God is talking to me. Yeah. And He's communicating with me. The life of Jesus is God communicating with me. The Bible is God communicating with me. It's everything that he wants to say to me right now in my life. And the question is, it, it, what's my response to that? Now, personally, my response to that is, holy cow, holy crap, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life, that God wants to communicate with me. And he has something to say to me. I think the real question is, do I want to listen to that? Okay, okay. Do I do yeah. I have room to hear that? God is communicating me. To, the Word of God is the Scripture. The Word of God is Jesus. He's the visible expression of the invisible God. He's the one holding everything together. What is He saying to me? Do I want to listen to that? Am I, are my ears opened? And am I ready to move in response to that? Just like Glenn's saying, I don't want to build my life on my human reasoning. I have. It, you hand me the keys, I'm going to wrap the car around the tree every time. Right. That's the way that goes. But God is talking to me. Are my ears open? Do I want to listen? That's the so what for me. That's where this comes down for me. That's absolutely great. Jed, what do you have to add on to this? Well, just one real quick thing, because Glenn and Lee have, have covered it. If you want to understand things better, start insisting on no jargon. This is super important. This isn't theology. This isn't the Bible. This is everything in life. Uh, if you need jargon to explain it, you don't understand it. Uh, period. That's that's true in everything. Um, people that have a real expertise in any field, and again, this isn't Bible stuff, this is anything, can explain it to a five-year-old. Yeah. Guaranteed. Um, somebody that can't use non-jargon and break it down quickly, they don't actually understand it. So one of the things to know for you is when you hear people say, hey, we're just, we're just gathered for the praise of the magnification of the manifestation of his glory. That's, that's why we're here. They don't have any idea what that means either. No. Nine times out of ten. <laughs> um, so the challenge for you is to decide, and this will be a huge step forward in your walk in your life, is I'm not going to play along with jargon. Uh, when when people say we got to get in the word because he is the word, but also the word is word with well, the word word word, you know, find someone that is willing to talk to you and say break all that down for me. D do what you've done here, but in person, and keep going till you understand it. Yeah, and uh, not to interrupt you, Jeb, but I think there's the, sometimes there's a temptation to throw everything I know about this thing at you. Yeah, yeah. which is not the same as breaking it down to you. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. But th this is the acid test. Could I explain this to a small child? Right. Um, uh, right. Jesus said that we should receive the kingdom of God like a little child. Um, so if this is something that a little child could not possibly begin to understand, then we probably need to break it down a little bit farther. Um, Glenn has said before, and it's very true, the true stuff about Christianity is all dirt simple. Right. It's all really, really, really basic. The complicated stuff is all the way things go wrong, the way right. that, that sin works and, and, and that, that whole scene. But again, I'd encourage you as a New Year's resolution that'll help your walk, no more jargon. 
Um, create a space in your life where we don't use jargon. We use small words so that we all know what it means. And remember, jargon is what people use when they don't understand what they're talking about. If you resolve to not use it, it's going to help you move forward really quickly. I think that's absolutely right. And just be clear, that can that occurs to technical jargon. That also this happens a lot in Christianity um, applies to emotional jargon. Sure, people want to talk a lot about you know the being prostrate and broken before his magnificence and they don't know what that means no they just know you sh- they just know that a lot of christian best-selling books have lots of feelings in the title yeah, yeah. and do that and that's none of that's going to help you get anywhere like the same way as this and this is another kind of glenn uh principle of ministry is we're trying to get somewhere yeah the idea is that all god is calling all people to himself and everybody has obstacles yeah so ministry is about removing obstacles and whether this was a book or a sermon or whatever, it, I'm guessing it wasn't geared towards removing an obstacle. Yeah. It was geared towards that guy spending a lot of money on a seminary education and really having to use some fancy words to justify that to himself and his parents. Well, to build on that, if you say I'm just prostrate and broken before the weight of his glory, you know, there, where do you, what do you do with that? Yeah. If you be honest, if you use small words a child could understand and you say, I did naughty things on the computer and now I feel bad. Yeah. We can move forward from that point. Yeah. Right. We, we can begin to devise a strategy. Maybe I need to deal with the naughty things on the computer or maybe I need to deal with the feeling bad, but I definitely need to deal with one of them for sure so that I can not feel bad anymore. Uh, but right. that's that's an act place that's as you're saying that's a place you can move forward from and the way that that occurs to me on this kind of this idea of what's the word and this is i'm going to break a rule here because normally this is another thing that indicates that someone doesn't know what they're talking about whether you hear a sermon lecture a toast whatever that starts with webster's dictionary defines this thing as that's not good but think about so i'm not going to go quite that far but if you think about what a word is it is something we use to communicate an idea Mm -hmm. yep I want, to, I want to tell you to set this on that wooden thing that we eat dinner off of. I'm going to tell you to put it on the table. Yeah. Table doesn't actually mean wooden thing you eat dinner off of. It's just, you know that's what it means, and I know that's what We've it means. We've all so agreed. It's kind of a, yeah, it's a shortcut to an idea. And another thing about words, as opposed to paragraphs or sentences, is you put them in a string to clarify that idea. Yeah. So in that way... Yes, Jesus, as Glenn quoted in John 1, is the word of God. That is a way God communicates ideas to you through your own personal relationship with Jesus. God communicates ideas to you through the Bible. He communicates ideas to you through your own ability to think things through and reason them out. That doesn't mean the conclusion you come to from reading and thinking things out is always God's conclusion. But as we pointed out in this thing before, the way we hear from God is taking all those things and utilizing them all, balancing them all off each other, and how do they relate together. There are things that are not the Word of God, and that would be the voices in your head that say you suck, and crazy legalistic preacher-slash-parents, and best-selling Christian book that has nothing to do with anything. Those all don't make the cut of Word of God. So there is some utility to knowing what does God say is his word and what does he not? That's fine. But with all this stuff, you want to, the big question to ask at the end of it is, as Lee pointed out, the so what? And so what not means does this have any inherent value, but how does this affect my walk at all? Right. Yeah. If a guy gets up there and gives the most lined out, theologically correct, scintillating, emotionally resonant sermon on semi-Pelagianism that anyone's ever heard, oh, there's no scorcher. so what. 
Because you, you ain't going to leave Sunday and go, well, that changes my perspective on everything. Yeah. Right. If he walks out and says, hey, here's how you, you want to know what God wants for you. Here's what you do. You pray and listen. You read the Bible and you talk to your friends and people who know a little bit more than you and see where all three of those things are coalescing in the same direction. Now you got a sermon and now you got something you can leave from that building and actually make your life around. And that's what you're looking for out of this kind of theological stuff. Right, we move on to our final question here. It came in anonymous with our Tumblr. It says, I had a mother who was verbally, mentally, and physically abusive all my life, and I only have a spineless stepdad as a father figure. I dropped out and moved out very young when I couldn't bear it anymore. I now live with my boyfriend, who is also Christian, and we have plans to get married in the next few years when we can both afford it. I feel unbearable sadness. Is God punishing me for living with my boyfriend without being married? Home isn't safe for me to live with, or and there's no relatives we can go to until we get married. Lee, why don't you start us off? Um, yeah, I can totally start. And, I, and, you know, we can't go anywhere on this without first saying that what happened to you is horrible. And uh, we're, we're all... Uh, we're all sorry for you, and uh, it was deeply wrong. And you should know that God is not okay with it. He's not okay with the things that have happened to you. And and we should also say that there's that, that there's something that God wants for you that's amazing and good. He wants to give you a full life. He wants to give you a yep. future that's better than you can even imagine. And um, and, and also, as far as a, a direct line from your question, you know, you saying you you feel unbearable sadness. Well. It makes sense because what happened to you is horrible. It makes sense yeah. that you feel the, the way that you do. But um, we need to get clear on one thing, which is that you feeling unbearable sadness is not the punishment of God over what you're doing. That's, Amen. that's not the way the Lord works. He's not punishing you for, for, for what's, you know... You know, for the, you know, for what you're doing or what you're, you know... It, if God was going to go around you know, smiting everybody for all the things that we're doing wrong, our word wrong actions and, you know, and, and thoughts and all that kind of stuff. Well, as, as Glenn would say, we'd all be a bunch of greasy spots on the floor. So that's not the way this thing is working. But I do think um, it, it is, as you're moving forward, I think it is important to realize, and some of these guys, these other guys will break this down, but that God does have a will for your life. He has a will for your relationship life. He has a will for your sexual life. And and one thing that, that it can be hard to see when you're in this situation, when you say, like, well, I only have this possibility. I can't live at home because it's not a safe environment. But so the only thing else I can do is live with my boyfriend, which I don't I, I know that God doesn't like that. And I don't know that I know that God doesn't want that for me. And I'm feeling super guilty about that, and maybe that's why I'm maybe that's why I'm experiencing some depression or something like that because God is punishing me, which He's not. So you've we, we've kind of hamstrung God into in, into yeah. two possibilities. I yeah. either I live in an unsafe environment or I do this thing that I know God doesn't want. So what's it going to be, God? You know? Yeah. Um, right. And are you going to kind of punish me? Well, one thing I would say is, and and I can I can tell you this from experience in my own life and a lot of people that I've known that. Even though you can't always see it, God will always provide a way for you to do the thing that he's asking you to do. He will make a way for you to do the thing that he wants you to do. Um, I'm going to leave it there, let these other brothers break it down, but we are sorry for you and we'll pray for you and we'd love for you to kind of uh, keep us, you know, keep us in the loop, help us to follow up with you and and to keep praying through this thing and and to talk about some of these possibilities. 
That's a lot of great stuff. Jed, can you talk us through kind of what next steps on this might be? I think I certainly can. I just want to echo Lee. We're so sorry for what you've been through. Um, uh, We love you. We stand with you. Um, Let us know how we can help. In terms of next steps, I think the key next step for you is you need someone in person in your life that you can talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that hopefully would be a combination of perhaps a pastor, a mentor, a professional counselor would be a really super good idea. Um, this is not stuff that you should be trying to sort out on your own. And um, I'm sure your boyfriend is a good dude, but um, he shouldn't be the only person helping you sort the stuff out right. either. Um, I'd strongly, strongly, strongly encourage you to... Um, uh, make some appointments with a good pastor, with a good mentor, again, with a professional counselor that has some training, knows what they're doing. It's okay to take all that slow. Um, you don't need to go into those and say, here's every awful thing I've ever experienced. What do you think? It's okay to put out some test balloons of stuff that's less sensitive and see how they respond. Make sure that they earn your trust. I actually think that's a great idea. I'd encourage you to do that. I would also encourage you to not be in a hurry to try and fix everything all in one go. Yeah. Um I think one of the things that that people can be a trap is feeling like, well, I've got a dozen problems. All of them need work. Let me start with the ones that I feel guiltiest about and and take it from there. That's almost always a mistake. Um, the, The thing with your boyfriend is it an ideal situation? It certainly is not. Um, uh, and don't hear, you won't hear any of us saying that. However, um, if it's stable for the moment so that you can get into some counseling, figure out some smart next steps, it's also not the end of the world. Um, you know, uh, uh, the truth, of course, is the thing that God's opposed to is you guys having intercourse before you're married. That right. That's the part God's opposed to. Um, it is possible to live in the same place and not do that. It's pretty dang tempting. Um, so, you know, that that's not great. Um, but um, this is not something where, uh, particularly given your situation, this is not something where you guys sharing a living space for a little while is some sort of inherently sinful thing. It doesn't It doesn't work that way. It's not ideal, and again, none of us are, are claiming that it is, and I'm sure it freaks out Aunt Susie, um, but the key thing, the, the next steps here, no doubt, are getting some good counseling that's one-on-one, in-person, people you can talk to, earn your trust, and taking it from there. Be patient with yourself. Do not try to fix all this at once, and a big part of that, before I throw it to Glenn, is recognizing your sadness is not God punishing you. Right. Yep. More than anything, Thing, God wants to comfort you. Yes. God is the Bible says that God is close to the brokenhearted. That's, That's right. God is close to you with love. That's God's opinion about you. No matter how many times you've had sex with your boyfriend, because I have a guess it's more than zero. Uh, God's close to you anyway. He loves you anyway. He cares for you anyway. He wants to walk through this process with you and carry you through it and get you through it because he has amazing things waiting on the other side. So don't let a false sense of how God feels about you make you in a hurry to fix things in a way that's half cooked. Right. Amen. And I think here's the thing. Uh, God is not judging you. We are not judging Amen. you on this. Um, I don't, in fact, I don't want to know the the kind of person who would say uh you the the right thing for you to do is to go back and be abused right instead of what you're doing now if you're out there listening to this and you're thinking about sending an email to us about that don't don't do that you don't you don't want to get the response email that would be coming your way if you send us that just a heads up um here's the thing jed used the word ideal several different times this is not ideal and i want to come in right on that note because here's the thing everything about uh ministry everything about figuring out how do we live a a righteous life 
It's about saying, okay, here is the ideal yep. thing that we're trying to live up to, and here's the reality of where we are. So <laughs> we've got the the real and the ideal here, and then we're trying to go from what the re- reality that we're dealing with and work our way towards the ideal circumstances. Uh, the problem is Christians want to start with the ideal. With the ideal, yep. uh, the ideal went out the window long ago. And this young lady didn't have a choice in that matter. Exactly right. right. So we, we the, theologically, the ideal went out the window right around Genesis two. So why are we right. still talking about the ideal? Exactly right. So it, it, we're 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 you know this is a messy situation, and uh, we need to be focused on making it less messy. There's no question about that. Um, uh, and and you know as an aside, I think uh, going to a justice of the peace or having some sort of uh, you know pastor who can just do something, you know, do a little quick ceremony in his office. Yeah, you don't actually friends. have to be able to afford a wedding. Yeah, exactly right. right. That's, you know, and you can do that and have a wedding later sure, if you want to sure. do that. That's fine. Some so, of that also depends on age, depending on what, if you're if exactly. we're both over 18 in this yeah, situation or not. Yeah, there's, there's some ends announced to it, but um, uh, it, I, I think what, what we're talking about here is, um, what we need to be talking about is what is the best thing for you? Yeah. Are you in a place where you're seeking, let's say, solace in physical stuff? Uh, you're mm. maybe depending on the boyfriend in a way that we need to be depending on the Lord and then sure. all of that kind of stuff. That would take us down the road of maybe staying with a friend and, and maybe sure. getting our life together and so on and so forth. Uh, if this is a case of a long-term boyfriend, already had marriage plans, underway uh you know we're saving for a nice wedding and so on and so forth well then you know kind of like we're just talking about here maybe let's just go ahead and kind of skip to the end sure do this in sort of a different order than what we had planned uh but get uh you know get to the point where it's legal or whatever move in together and, and and carry on uh but i i think uh having this this thinking that 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 god is putting us in in this situation and expecting sort of a perfect response out of that yeah. is just not yeah. fair. It's not how God is. It's not how any of us live our lives. Uh, so I, I think that's where we need to, to, to start with in terms of an understanding. One of the things that you're hearing from all three of us, and I really want to uh, reemphasize this, is the specifics matter a lot in yeah. this kind of situation. Yeah. And um, this, this question came in anonymously, yeah? Yep. Um, so obviously we're, we're not able to follow up with you. You really need people there in your life that you can talk to, that you can trust, yeah. that you can that you can get all this out in the open, who can be cool, who yep. know who know how to, to be chill about stuff. Because, again, the the right next steps depend a lot on a lot of variables you haven't included here. Um, uh, if you would like for for one of us to be a part of that sounding board. Please message us. We we love sure. nothing, nothing more than that. But again, the the key thing is is you need to have people you're talking to openly. There's full disclosure. We're getting those details out. We're we're figuring out on that. What you don't want to do, and I think it's what you're tempted to do right now, is figure out here's what I feel guilty about. So let me act to get rid of that guilt. Right, yeah. That will not lead you down a wise path or a righteous path. Don't do that. Well, and part of what you're talking about there, Jed, I'd love to to get you to unpack this a little bit more for us. Is this idea of in this is true for every one of us, especially if you're someone who's been through this level of trauma. You can't actually, your emotions are not 
an a, an accurate barometer to judge yes. anything by. Yes. yes. Not only is this is for anyone, as Jed, we point out a lot on the show, just chasing the guilt is going to do nothing but stir you into a cycle that's going to generate more guilt. But especially when you're from such an unacceptable home situation, your feelings about yourself are so skewed by what your mom did and what your stepdad yeah. didn't do yeah. and all this other stuff that it's a terrible idea to try to make any judgment based on your emotions right no question at all no question at all i think one of the things that's difficult and full disclosure um uh, uh um I, I can have some of these same struggles with trying to rely on emotions in a way that i shouldn't um i think we as, all do to be clear but yeah. it's all a bad idea for all of us yeah, no question right. about it one of the things particularly about western culture is we want to make our decisions based on our emotions but that only works if your emotions are telling you the truth well at the best of times, our emotions really aren't telling us the truth. But when you've been through some abusive situations, your emotions are never, ever telling you the truth. Right. Even when what they say lines up with reality, it's only accidentally. Yeah. Um, so what that means is that we have to get into a mode of making our decisions based on something other than emotion. We, we, we need to make our decisions based on wise counsel, on good ideas, but not on emotion. Because if we make them based on emotion, we're just going to be chasing our tail. Uh, as, as Matt's pointing out, if we get into a habit of saying, I feel bad about myself, that must mean I need to change something, we're just going to be in a circle on that forever. Yeah. We're, we're, gonna, we're never going to get to a place where that's, that's not the case. If we, and so when you're in a situation like that, you need to introduce some outside thought. You need things that are not originating in your brain and your emotions to help chart a new path to something new, to a new experience. Yeah. In due season, in the long term, new emotions will come. We will come to a place where our emotions are not all negative, and some of them, some of the time, start to line up with reality, which is great, and that's lovely, and we all, we all want to get there, but that's, the, that's more the end of the journey. It's certainly not the beginning of the journey. That actually tends to be particularly true of people who come from kind of what we would call a broken home situation, because part of what's happening is from a very early age, you've been trying to rationalize why, is, why am I in this terrible yeah, situation, yeah. Yeah. and unfortunately, invariably, what children land on on, at some point, is it must be because I'm bad. Yep. Right. You know, everybody else's parents seem to be cool. My, my mom's a psycho. That must the because the idea of being raised by totally emotionally unstable people is almost too horrifying to look at when you're yeah, a kid. Right. Your parents yeah. have so much sway over your physical yeah. well-being that you have to land on. They must be right on some level. And that must be about me being bad. And obviously, even if you don't have that conscious thought anymore, that's... That's still in there until you work it out. Yeah. And Glenn, as we close around this, I'd love to get your opinion on this. Is kind of something we deal with our guys at the bridge here that's going on in this situation is we have a person who has moved from a terrible situation. A, a, and we really can't stress this enough. The situation you started out with your family is wrong on every level, yeah. and none of that's your fault. And it's as you mature and hopefully work this stuff out, you're going you're gonna to keep peeling back levels of how boned that was. And yeah. that's okay. That makes sense. But you've now moved to a an okay situation and the temptation sometimes is to shift into neutral and stay there because it's not chaotic. Right. And right. that's a bad idea in general, which I'd love to get Glenn to talk about, but just specifically to this situation, that's not a great idea because it's not great for your development. If you've right. never been in an independent situation, it's actually right. not great for your relationship yeah. for right. your boyfriend to be the refuge from your jacked up home life, right. as opposed to, this individual who you choose to be with because you are an actualized person who's choosing to be with them. But Glenn, can you talk about that idea of not settling for not being in crisis mode? Uh, absolutely right. I mean, uh, uh, it, it's you're going to need to have a marriage that is healthy 
outside of crisis mode, and, and yeah. you're going to need to practice that before you get married, I, I think, is the point that Matt is making there. Uh, here in, in Chicago, when we're doing ministry, we use a, a phrase, major on the majors, minor on the minors. And the idea there is uh, that we're not basing our walk on emotions, as Jed was talking about. We're not basing it on uh, guilt or fear or shame. Uh, we're not basing our walk based on what other Christians think is holy, yeah, because uh, that's not going to work. Uh, and I think that may be at play here as well. Um, this is about major on the majors, minor on the minor, minors. Here's a major point. You need to be in a place where you're physically safe. Right. Yes. That's major. Uh, the fact that you have done that is good and right. So we're not going to feel bad about that. Yep. It's important for you to be in a place where you're not being emotionally abused. Right. That's major. Yep. You've done that. Job well done. That's good. That was important. So, you know, we're, no one's going to condemn that. And not to cut you out, but just to add to that, it's important to point out that God is not going to call you to do something for your spiritual development that contradicts either of those. Yeah. Exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, it, 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 and and that leads us to to the next uh, major thing is as uh, Matt is rightly pointing out, uh, uh, getting yourself into a process of recovering from this, in in one that's not driven necessarily by your fiance, but that's that's about you and a mentor that's working through that and stuff that you're doing on your own. That is major. That's important. As our friends who are in the drug recovery uh, often say you can't be doing this for your boyfriend your girlfriend yeah, your kids exactly you have right. to do it for you exactly right now uh, what are what are the minor things here uh well you know uh, uh what will people at church think i'm you know he's on the couch i'm in the bedroom it's really sub-ideal it's really messy it looks funky but what are you going to do? Sure. That's a minor point. <laughs> if the, God help us. If there was a way to solve that, let's solve it. But but what will people think is really is secondary to I'm being physically abused, for God's sake. I mean, we have to have a sense of proportion here. Yeah. Uh, my mental health is being wrecked by being in this home. Uh, that, compared to what will Sister So-and-so say down at church, is uh, is a, a hugely minor thing by comparison. So I think it's important for you to figure out what is major and what is minor. And uh, as as Matt's also pointing out, um, understanding how much compassion and love and understanding God has for you is important. Yeah. And if you have a thought and you have a plan and a strategy for dealing with a situation that does not take that into account and is, is based on a fear response of trying to avoid punishment, then that is what we're trying to get rid of. Uh, the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear, uh, and that's because fear ha- that, that's what fear is about, is, is uh, being afraid of punishment or afraid of a, a God that's, that's against you. But it's about recognizing that God loves you uh, so much and so perfectly that, there, that you have nothing to fear in that relationship with him, that, that he wants a peace and a stability for you. And, and and that's what we want for you as well. That's absolutely right. All right. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com or the bridge, Chicago.tumblr.com. As Jed pointed out, you can find if This is also, if you want to follow up with us on something, if you are in a question, or if you just want to have some 
um, counseling kind of offline. Not everything has to go on the podcast. You can find us at those same addresses or uh, Glenn's Tumblers, UncleGlenn.com, Lee is LeeYounger.com. We're going to take you out with an outro song this week. Uh, Jed mentions, we're talking about this last thing, this idea that God is close to the brokenhearted. That comes from Psalm 34, 18. And one of, our, one of the things we have in each one of our bridge boxes is a scripture memorization track from Chicago DJ, the Pool House Guru. And he did a really great um, mix on this idea of Psalm 34, 18. So we're going to take you out with that. Kind of an electronica dance idea. The idea is this guy is really, really good at putting together these dance tracks and they'll kind of an earworm and get in there and why not do that with scripture so you know it's not missionsa.com slash bridgebox you can always email us thanks for listening just remember we love you god loves you there's nothing you can do about it to say that podcast we are righteous nerdy chipmunks Hey!